This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open. Taylor is going to take this one to the house. Touchdown Bulldogs. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everybody, to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Brandon Worth, Joe Nagy, with you here this fine Friday morning. Three guys, a little bit of a curveball here this morning. A little bit, man. A little bit. Just a little bit. Keeping you on your toes. Don't you worry about it. We had a pretty busy day yesterday with some of our finals and final projects getting due. So, students, hang in there. We're almost there. It's getting closer. But, hey, we're going to get through this. The next two weeks will be tough, but we can do it. We can we, get there. We can get there. But thanks to all tuning in on all the podcast platforms, as well as WBRN, our radio peeps. Love you Shout guys out. as well. Uh, here this fine Saturday, if you're listening to the radio. Friday, if you're here on the podcast. But we got a whole Ferris State sports slate coming up, as well as some pretty interesting debate topics here in the second half mm-hmm. of the show. But without further ado, let's get into the Ferris State sports report. And before we get into the upcoming stuff, I uh, just wanted to say thank you all and give a big shout out to everybody that came in support of the heart to heart hand in hand game on th- Tuesday night. It was spect- it was a spectacular event. It was yeah. spectacular. It was awesome. I know me and Joe, and Joe enjoyed working it and I it was a really really fun experience. Just it's a year after year. I mean, it is just such a good cause to go see those all these great athletes from the Special Olympics go out, compete with some of these players, and really put on a show for the crowd. And I think it was really good entertainment. Obviously, the dunk contest did not disappoint football again with the win. Yeah, with a big sneaky that's, W. That's a little comeback story here after Michael won it last year. So now it's tied 1-1 since we've done that dunk contest. But uh, I think the biggest story was Brock's winning streak came to an end. That's unfortunate, man. Yeah, I mean, he didn't seem too happy about it in the, in the post-game press. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, Bronx was, like, trying, like, really hard. Like, I was talking to Coach Henson during it, and he was like, Bronx is taking this as seriously as, like, the GLIAC tournament is what it felt like because he was subbing in players, making sure, like, there was plays going on and stuff like that. It was wild. They came up just short of it, but, dude, that was hilarious. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw the post-game press conference, which, if you didn't, don't worry. I'm playing it for you in five seconds because – this is one of the most comedic, like, greatest interviews I've ever seen with Bronx and after this game. So take a listen to what Coach Bronx had to say after a close loss in the Area 5 heart-to-heart game. You know, our athletes played their hearts out. I was just, the officiating was against us. You know, the crowd was against us. Everybody said we couldn't do it, and we, we just came up a little bit short. So not happy about that. Um, ruined our win streak. You know, we've been on a five, six-year win streak. These athletes, I'm proud of them, but I uh, just need a little better coaching tonight. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> Nobody probably can... Obviously, we're, we're an audio medium show. You can't see the visual, but the video itself of him talking, where he has his arms crossed, and he's just he's just he fuming mad, and upset. Man. He was mad. <laughs> it was funny though. I will say that the the officiating took a took a blind eye every once in a while. But, oh, oh my you're gosh, throwing you're Bryce like, under the bus hey, and Kyle. Anybody, hey, I'm just saying. It, yeah, I mean they did a pretty good. They they didn't do half bad, but yeah, it was it was such a great event, and to be able to kind of see uh, the community come behind those athletes as well as. Just seeing such a great event take place to showcase the talent of these athletes uh, is second to none, and that was really cool. And for all of you guys who donated, came out, showed their support, I mean, that was really, really cool to see, and we thank you guys so much. Yeah, almost two grand is certainly a really great amount that will hugely benefit these athletes in the program for the future. So this is, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys. 
And especially, and you can still donate. Round of applause, baby. Round I think of you applause. can still donate if Probably even if can, you missed yeah. it. Yeah, we can make sure that that works out for you. So, uh, sports careers dash RSO the Venmo, and it'll get over to Special Olympics in the big check. So you can still donate. I guess mm-hmm. that's a little. Uh, what what do you call that? Shameless I got the plug. Shameless plug, baby. I haven't had I one of those in a long email. Time. I got the email linked to my phone. So if you guys donate, I'll know. So you guys. Let it rip on the old donations. Let it go. Oh, there you go. Maybe if they want, they can donate, and then we'll get a shout-out for them in the show if they attach their name with their donation. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, hey, we'll shout you out Tuesday or whenever the next episode we release. Yeah. Monday so there you go. Tuesday, whenever it donate. SportsCruise-RSO. You get a shout-out on the show from me and Joe personally in Sport of Special Olympics. So there you go. Shout-out. Anyway, let's shout get to a roll here. Joe. What's going on this weekend, man? Fair Sports Rundown. Lot on deck, actually. A whole bunch of stuff. This so, is a pretty packed weekend. It is a pretty packed weekend in a little bit of different ways. Obviously, we'll start with Friday, which will be today as you're listening here on the podcast. It'll be as of yesterday if you're here on the radio with us. But still, we'd love you as well. Uh, big event coming up this yeah, something tonight. Slight. You know, just something a little, slight. Just a little spring game. Yeah, just Nothing a about game. it. Just a little celebration for the national champions. Again, hopefully you guys are able to make it out if you're listening on WBRN and you guys are able to kind of experience that. But... Man, this is something I'm really excited for. I always love doing the spring game because working football was obviously is the best part of working for athletics. And to be able to kind of get back in that little groove of going back up in the press box and stuff, it's always going to be a blast. And obviously, it's a little bit different of a setup, but it's still going to be a really cool time. I know that uh, it's going to be a little bit different setup from last year. We're going to have players be the offensive and defensive coordinators, yes. which is going to be really cool. The scoring's going to be a little bit different as well as, you know, there's going to be a whole bunch of just events and stuff going on for a day. Uh, really trying to celebrate that second national championship, which is going to be awesome. Yeah, and I think the the best thing about working it too is it's a little more informal. The whole thing is you're really more chill. you're more enjoying football in a sense differently than an actual game because obviously real games, GLIAC games, official NCAA sanctioned games are very technical, right? You got to go by each rule to the T, dot the I's, all that sort of stuff. But then in the spring game, it's a little bit more fluid. You get to see, you get to concentrate more on football. And that's what I like about it. And I think everybody's missed football for so long. Obviously, back-to-back handy champs want to see them on the field. And you get to do so on Friday. Got to be a lot of festivities uh, and a lot of good football here from a lot of the young guns. So it's going to be really fun to see as well. Track and field is in action now today. It was supposed to be Saturday. Uh, Change made just here earlier on in the week. Uh, for the Al Owens Classic. There's supposed to be some nasty little cells coming through. We got a little bit of it last night, actually. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it was supposed to be carrying over, I think, into Saturday, a majority of Saturday as of now, um, especially down in the southern region. So end up moving the meet to Friday just as precautions. Um, so we'll be racing down there tonight. Uh, it's going to be a really what good time beat. You, what time are you rocking on down there? What time are we rocking? We're leaving here at noon, and we're going to have a full slate from about 3 to 8 tonight. So it's a pretty that's long pre- meet, but yeah. it's not necessarily. It's actually a lot faster than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it's it's going to be. It's not necessarily as big as the meets we went to in the past, like Bucknell or even potentially Oakland was honestly a pretty packed meet. Um, but I think it's going to be really good because there's a lot of spread out competition, and I think that's something that um, is really nice is – you have the ability to stack up heats, but you still have really good competition in each heat to make it competitive, but the range within the heat gets larger. And I think that puts a little bit of more pressure on the mental because for me, I love getting into a faster heat 
going with the flow, going with the groove, and you know, just kind of hanging on, going to see what you're doing. And then obviously, once you get a couple laps through, then you can start making moves, especially in longer races. But obviously, doing the 15-8 this weekend will be a little different of a strategy, but it still allows you to be in a seed with a good time. But it really helps you mentally work to get to the top of the heat. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. Uh, so a lot of great races coming up on deck. You can follow along. Um, I believe on the Grand Valley Athletic website is the live results. So you can make sure you can check that out uh, and see all the Bulldogs success on the track coming up tonight at Allendale. Going to be fun. Moving into Saturday, some GLIAC postseason action on deck. Women's golf actually will be teeing off on Friday through Saturday uh, in the GLIAC championships. Going to be a really fun fun, interesting tournament. A lot of teams in contention. I think this is going to be a really interesting tournament here. And I know we've talked about it a little bit on the show already, but I think right now you like where you're seeing from Coach Stark's team. I think really you saw some great performances, especially battling through the elements here earlier on this last week. And I think there's a lot that can be desired here in this tournament. I think there's going to be a lot of good results. And I think when you look at uh, obviously, all the teams stacked up against you. I think you got to like Ferris's odds for being a little bit the underdog here to make a climb into day two. Yeah, especially because that really puts pressure on a lot of the other teams that are kind of higher up and have the expectations because they need to stay up. But when you go in as an underdog into a lot of these big competitions and a lot of these tournaments where, you know, you don't always have the highest expectations put on yourself to be able to smash that ceiling and to be able to raise those expectations and do better than that is always good. And especially it really leaves a high ceiling for what you can do day one. And then it's even better for day two. Yeah, absolutely. We love to see the improvement. We've seen that both on the men's side and the women's side, very consistently for this team, just starting off round one with a banger and then improving even more, getting that first round out of the gate better in getting that improvement. Mm -hmm. I think will be a huge thing going in this weekend. Yeah, for sure. Also in postseason play for the conference championships, it'll be men's tennis's turn. At the GLIAC tournament, going to be a really fun tournament to watch. I mean, going in as the top seed, of course, you have that allure of the championship on your mind, but the guys are deep, the guys are ready, and they've played some of their best tennis as of late. So you got to love that this team with the momentum and the depth, I think, can really, really do some damage in this tournament. And that's, I'm sure, what their expectation is going in. Yeah, for sure. And especially, you know, you look at throughout this season, we've been able to play really, really solid and really consistent. I mean, especially starting the GLIAC playoff against Wayne State, the other, the you know, the basically the predicted favorite to win the GLIAC this year. To be able to come up big and be able to win that one was really just what they needed to just keep on that momentum because from then on out, it was just really just keeping the course, staying steady, and playing just the tennis that they know how to play. And especially to see how they were able to beat Grand Valley uh, at Grand Valley was Huge for the program right there, especially going into Michigan Tech. It was senior day for them to be able to get that sweep and especially to get out of uh, to get out of Lake Superior State and finish it uh, with a 2-0 uh, road trip to end the year uh, end the regular season. At least it's really going to set them up well for the GLIAC tournament. They have the buy off the bat and then I think they're going to have to play it. It's either what Grand Valley or Davenport, if I'm not mistaken. I'm trying so, to find yeah. out uh, with this whole GLIAC website, which we already know is pretty, pretty poopy. Uh, with, how that's, with how this whole thing is set up. But I'm very excited to see what this team's able to do because we have that uh, momentum already with what we've been able to do. We have a pretty solid setup for what this is going to be for this 2023 GLIAC tournament. And I'm very, very excited to see because it's either going to be Purdue Northwest and Davenport, and we've had good success against them both so far this year. Absolutely. Also, good luck softball at Wisco and Purdue Northwest this weekend. Hopefully, we can get the road winning streak back intact. 
and play some good softball. But that's going to be it for the Fair State Sports Rundown. When we come back, debate topics and more here on the MBSP. And we're back after the break. Welcome back, everybody. Going to hop into some NBA Finals before we hop into some NHL Stanley Cup playoff talk to close out the show. NBA Finals going on right now. Very exciting so far. There's been some really good series as well as some really good basketball being played and some really solid uh, playouts so far of what's been, <laughs> honestly, uh, uh, I want to say chalk set up so far, but there's definitely been some games where you thought it was going to go some a certain way and it hasn't, but there's definitely been other times where some teams really played uh, to some expectations and that's for sure. Yeah, I think when you look at so far, uh, I think there's a lot of games you expected, right? The Celtics are pretty much cleaning the clock of Atlanta right now and I think that's kind of what we expected going in and I expect that series will probably um, end really fast in the next two games. Um, but I think when you look at where really is like where we're at here in the postseason, I think what you see a lot of the times in these type of games is you see either the superstars step up right out of the shoot and they try to play hero ball immediately, or you have the teams that have the depth and they have that chemistry all together that they can honestly leave some of their star players out and not necessarily be too concerned, right? The Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis was a legitimate concern going into game two because the Heat obviously beat them by 13 in game one. How are the Bucks going to respond even without Giannis? They go ahead and beat the Heat by 16. That's a really, really big time play for that basketball team to come back and beat that team after going getting down and out a little bit in game one. So I think when you see those good teams like the Bucks. When you see some of these other teams, um, especially even like Denver, obviously Denver not necessarily, uh, I wouldn't say the number one overall seed um, in comparison to the Celtics right now, even though they're up 2-0 against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But I think you still see that team's depth and that chemistry right now playing a key role because you don't want to necessarily get your superstars taxed going into the Western Conference Finals, the Finals, and so forth. So I think the teams with the depth right now are flourishing and you can see some of the other teams necessarily, like the Grizzlies, that might not they might be really good from top five up, but not necessarily from top five down. That now are struggling a little bit against a good Lakers team, and now they're really kind of putting themselves right now. I think it's a one-one series at this point, um, but I think it's going to be really fun. And you called it, Joe, that Kings Warriors series. Everybody's going to be watching that one here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, that Kings Warriors series. It's kind of like a difference between Kings are a very talented team. And that's really the reason that they've had so much success this year and being able to uh, secure that three seed. But the Warriors, when a team just has been there before and just knows how to get it done, it's so hard to beat them. And for the Warriors, too, I mean, it's what? They've won four championships in the past six years, something like that. So they're no stranger to this first round kind of scare at all. And they, they know how to get this done. It's This is going to be the toughest task for Sacramento is being able to get these next two wins Light the beam one more time at home, then go into uh were they in the yeah, they were in the beam and then now they're at Oracle, right? And then Yeah. And then now they're kind of struggling a little bit. They just need to really probably sneak one here against the Warriors, try to get one away, and then when they come back, light the beam and be able to take it four one. But that's gonna be a tall task, seeing that the Warriors been playing really good. Did you see the uh Sabonis uh Draymond scuffle. Yeah, I kind of figured we'd get into that, but I think when you look at that situation, obviously, I mean, you've watched the videos. I think that everybody 
seeing Draymond Green get suspended. I don't think necessarily. Um, I think when I think that whole stomp obviously came in a retaliation of what Sabonis was grabbing his leg, right? I think when you see that to go those two things together, especially the timeliness of them, that you're you're looking at that situation, you're saying, yeah, there there there's no way that they should probably they should have probably suspended both players. But I think the biggest thing too is when you see the fact that Draymond was suspended for that stomp, and now you're seeing some of these other lighter lighter punishments put upon some of these other players that are battling it out right now in some of these other games. You're looking at it like, wait, he got a he got Embiid got a flagrant one for what he just did. Yeah, like I think it was Charles Barkley that was saying, yeah, that looks worse. And not gonna lie, when I watched, I was like, yeah, those look pretty comparable. I'm not necessarily saying that one thing is definitely the higher or lower than the other in terms of injury and in terms yeah. of cause. But like when you look at some of the intentions of those incidents, there has to be some sort of a realization to the league of we either have to start cracking down immediately on all these suspensions or we're going to have to loosen up a little bit from where we're standing because right now it seems like they are very, very heavy on some of these retaliations where necessarily they're not getting to the instigating incident. And that's where Draymond Green really, I think, got a little screwed there because Sabonis had been going after him for quite a bit of that game prior to that. You watch the tape, you watch the film, you watch the game beforehand. He was he was elbowing, he was shoving, he was doing uh, what DeMontis Sabonis does. He wreaks havoc down low in whatever shape or form he can. And I think that really kind of leading up to that that leg grab and Green had enough. And then when he obviously stomped on him, obviously that really instigated the whole suspension and obviously got him suspended. But I think that that incident itself has made the NBA a little bit more aware that we got to start watching these initial things right away because if it builds over and spills over, and especially with the Kings and the Sixers had last night as well, and I'm sure we'll get into that here in just a minute as well, between Harden and uh, Michael Bridges. Mm-hmm. But I like you got to start looking at these, and you're you're looking at blowing whistles on first event, second event. You're not waiting till the fifth, and the retaliation comes to the point where it's going to overblow because that would take this away, and you wouldn't have to worry about it at all for suspension wise. Yeah, that's the big thing is I think, and with foul calls in the NBA, the biggest thing that like has been a very big just annoyance of mine has been it's very inconsistent as to what kind of just gets constituted as flagrant one technical that type of stuff because you get such a such bs stuff where players just do like little things where they might throw the ball like not even hard or like out of retaliation just kind of like over to the side or something or players might slam it down and they grab it and they get called a technical and it's such a weak call because it's just a little bit of showing emotion it shouldn't be where a player is just you know, talk to the ref or just gives them a little bit of a chirp here because they don't agree with the call. Refs have gotten so soft, one in the NBA, because it's just, I feel like they just have a power trip and their ego gets so bad. And, oh my gosh, you can't handle that. Somebody disagrees with your call. I'm just going to technical and right now, just so that way I can just show you my authority. That's not the way it should be. If a player, if players are actually like going at it and there's a situation where a play might get hurt, that's when you give a technical flagrant or something like that. Now when a player rolls the ball not towards you or something like that, that's such Bush League stuff that I just don't understand what's been going on. I think that's been the biggest problem, especially these past like two, three years in the NBA is refs have gotten so soft where 
you really don't know what's going to be qualified as a technical or what's going to be qualified as a flagrant because it could be a wide variety of you just rolling the ball the other way or you stomping on a player. Like it's, it's so few and far in between that you really don't know what's going to actually be constituted as one of those major fouls. Yeah, and I think the biggest like the biggest word that's been thrown around with the officiating decisions with the players' actions or behaviors is soft. And I think that mm-hmm. when you think of that, to me, if somebody's soft, they're going back at you for things that they don't need to get you get back at you for. And that's kind of the the retaliation thing that's really been kind of put under a microscope here over the last couple of days, especially the last couple hours with some of these recent games. I mean, yeah, the suspensions last night here, especially in that Harden, Claxton, Michael Bridges, 76ers, Nets, crazy game. And I think when you kind of look at that, those guys were trying to instigate at each other all night. They're trying to get under skin. It's the playoffs. You're trying to get all of the, you're trying to get as many star players and the other team out of their element as possible, mm-hmm. right? That's whether that's throwing defensive fundamental changes to your defensive scheme, or you're trying to just jab an elbow here now and then just to try to get them to feel uncomfortable and out of their game, right? Yeah. And that's kind of where it felt like it was going there for a little bit. And then obviously it went a little bit more and a little bit more and then a little bit more. And then obviously, uh, James Harden kind of took it into his own hands and was had enough of it and took it out and obviously got kicked out of the game. Nick Claxton was also involved in that. Uh, he got himself ejected. So I think when you look at the term soft, I think the way that we're looking at that word and that verbiage is not necessarily the intention of necessarily the retaliation. It's the a little bit of the initiation that leads to that retaliation, right? It's not necessarily saying that the elbow at the very end was soft or necessarily, but the whole process of trying to get underneath of that almost kind of seems like, yeah, you're trying to get under the player's skins, but why are, why are you trying to do these little things? You know what I mean? Like, why are you trying, why, why are you elbowing him in the hip when he's, when he's trying to get off a screen for a catch or when he's just standing there? It's like, we're playing basketball. We're not playing patty cake here. Like, what are we doing? That's kind of the feeling that I've had from some of this situation. I'm not saying like the retaliation is soft. Like there's some times where it's like, yeah, just be be a man and not, and take like take that. Don't come back with this like then go into kind of sissy fight mode for a little bit. But I think that just brings it brings so much to the NBA now. It's like we're not talking about games anymore. We're talking about these these fights and these suspensions and how ridiculous they are. And mm-hmm. that's just starting up from the players just trying to really get at each other and do things in just a little bit of a, uh, a soft manner. I guess that is the word I would, would use in that situation. Yeah. I don't, like it's, it's wild just how much the NBA, like you said, just got soft. And that's just the annoying thing about it is because this is playoffs. Playoffs in any sport is a different breed. It's going to be a lot tougher. It's going to be a lot grittier. It's going to be players really going at it. It's going to be a lot more physical and for refs to not realize that and to be, you know, just the same of where, you know, they're not going to change the way that they've, you know, referee at all. That's going to be a problem. And definitely these next coming games, these next coming series, and they really got to figure that out. Absolutely. So thank you guys for tuning in here on the radio session. If you want more of the show, because we got more coming, make sure you hop on over to the Spotify podcasting platforms, as well as Apple Music, Amazon Music, and more, so you can miss out on some NHL talk. So if you want that, Head over to the podcast platforms. And until next time in WBRN, we'll see you guys later. Take care, everybody.
Finishing out the show here on our podcasting platforms. Well, you love you guys, podcast peeps, but NHL, we previewed it on Monday. Uh, really wild start. And definitely, I think the biggest thing that comes to my mind, Joe, offense has been the huge story of these series so far. We got offense games. Been going wild. I mean, it is like we had the 7-2 Maple Leafs over Lightning game just a little while ago. We had the Rangers putting a five spot on New Jersey. The Knights putting a five spot on the Jets. Like, Panthers putting 6-3 on the Bruins. Yeah, we've, thought. we've seen nothing but offense so far. It's whatever team scores. And I think that's very surprising, especially some of these teams, the fundamental defensive ability that they have. But it kind of feels like that's the the shift in the league focus like as a whole. And a lot of these teams are we're looking necessarily at trying to outscore teams as much as play defense. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the one thing is the NHL these past few years, you've seen a lot more of offensive, defensive players. Like the Kale McCars of like the Avalanche, and you've been able to see guys that have played really good. I mean, Dobson from the Islanders has been really solid. He's a D man, but he's been able to bring up the puck. When you're able to score with your D men, that's going to be the big difference. And I think that's what's the, been the biggest, biggest difference, especially seeing this season and especially this playoffs, because we haven't really seen an opening round where we have a Panthers team who's the wild card putting up a six spot against the Bruins and being able to just take over that game as well as the stars from one going game one where they're going to OT tied it up. I think it was three to, or three, two and OT in the first game. And then you go and have them put seven up against the wild. Just have that difference as well as, you know, the Rangers putting up a lot of points on the Devils, the Maple Leafs going crazy against the Lightning. It's definitely going to change kind of the dynamic of what we're going to be seeing in these next couple of games in the playoffs because I'm interested to see if they're going to, if there's going to be changes with goaltenders, if it's going to be defensive scheme changes, or if it's going to be more just let's just get pucks in deep and just really try to hammer the opposing net because are they going to try to do that or what kind of schemes are they going to be putting in place? Because you have teams like the Islanders who have elite goaltending with Sorokin did not play super well against the, against the Hurricanes in game two, especially when he let in that OT goal really just went way too far left, kind of spread it out and left that top right, top right hand blocker side wide open to be able for them to get that goal. I mean, the Bruins, I forget who their goalie's name is, but he did not play really well uh, in that game, in that game too. But you also have the Oilers and Kings who still the Kings put up, I think it was near 35 shots or something like that. Goaltending was very solid from the Oilers side, but it was just a lot of uh, offensive ability and Leon Dreisaitl's story for the Oilers in game two, which was incredible to see. Yeah, I think uh, Olmark, is that the goaltender you're talking about for the Bruins? Olmark, yeah. I was reading something about um, the Bruins, especially in that scenario, um, how making a goaltender change would actually potentially be a wrong move. And look, I think the word that was used in one of the articles I read was a panic move. And I think that kind of, I think that definitely would be kind of something um, that would seem like in that situation, like, are you really that scared of the Florida Panthers to change yeah. a goaltender? Like, you got to trust your guy and your guy has to trust you. Like, that's the For biggest, real. that's the biggest part with some of these teams. You have three goaltenders that are very capable of putting up a clean sheet on your roster in the NHL, but your top guys that you want in the crease. Like, you need to be able to trust them in round one if you're going to want to trust them in the Stanley Cup final. And these are kind of the growing pains you might have to go through because I think Boston Bruins fans, they probably they probably figured Florida would steal, like, maybe a game. But they were assuming that this series would be over in five games, at the minimum six, or at the maximum six, I should say. Like, there's no way we should go to a seventh game. But right now, kind of watching that, that, that second game and seeing the Panthers really just hang the Bruins out to dry. I mean, offensively, they were electric. I think that kind of puts a little bit more perspective of 
yeah, we we really need to look at some of these top eight teams with a little more respect than we did. I know, obviously, a lot of these teams you looked at in the regular season, you were saying, yeah, we beat these guys, or um, we can definitely beat these guys in this roster that we have. But I think when you see that, that kind of gives you a little bit mu- too much confidence once again. Not only that, but it really gives you the option of not necessarily going into that game as mentally focused. And I think that kind of gets some teams out of the whack a little bit. And I'm not necessarily saying like they're all just showing up expecting to beat the Panthers. I'm not saying that, but being able to go through a game or a postseason bracket, I should say, one game at a time, that's where some of these teams, especially like you're seeing with um, some of these lower seeds, like the Rangers, they're taking it one game at a time and they're beating the Devils one game at a time. And that's why they're chipping away and they got a 2-0 series lead, right? So that, those are the teams, especially when you consider March Madness, one of the other hugely influenced brackets in all of sports. You see these little teams that are doing the little things right, preparation and confidence on the ice, and they can beat any bigger, higher-seeded team just because of the way that they play. And right now, it seems like there's a couple teams that are flourishing in that, and then there's some teams that are just playing a little bit too overconfident right now. Yeah, watch out for the Seattle Kraken. I mean, they won for game one against the Avalanche. Drop game two. But you're still gonna be yeah, almost winning game two is only two to three. But so they gotta kinda get up that offensive ability, putting up twenty nine shots. Uh they got two goals off of it, but the big thing is just making sure that way I can mitigate whatever type of offensive ability that uh the Avalanche throws away because they had forty one shots. So pretty heavily out counting uh the shot category when you look at both of those teams. But there's I mean, especially looking at this series, you have a lot of them tied 1-1. I mean, Wild Stars tied 1-1 right now. Kings Oilers tied. Lightning Maple Leafs, Kraken Avalanche, Jets Golden Knights, uh, and Bruins Panthers all tied 1-1. You only have the Rangers and Devils and the Islanders and Hurricane, which is at 2-0 uh, in favor of Carolina and then in favor of New- in New York uh, with Rangers. So it's always going to be interesting, especially to see how early these series are going to be tied and if it's going to be a marathon, if we're going to get a lot of Game 7s in uh, Round 1, Round 2. But hey, the more playoff hockey, the better. That's all I say. Yeah, I think when you look at some of these teams, like I really stew have or really stew, really stew, really stew, I stew, stew, uh, still do have a lot of confidence in the Oilers. They just need to have confidence in their goaltenders once again. Like that's their that's the only thing yeah. holding them back right now is they just like they're they're putting offense up in these games. Right, the last couple of games here, four three four two. Like you're putting up offense with no problem. It's just your defense. Um, especially going from to the in between the pipes, that's that's really where this team is really kind of being held back a little bit, and that's really the only question mark we had because they have the talent, they have the roster, they have the coaching staff. Whether they're not, we're not worried about them. Um, is necessarily being a one and out team, but if they can't stop shots going in the net, mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter how talented your offense is, your defense is going to get beat every time. So yeah. I, I think and that LA really is a pretty trash offensive team if you're really looking at it. Oh yeah, they're not that they're not that good. I would no like shot. I would take the the stars or the wilds offense almost, oh, for sure. more than the Kings. So I mean you're, you're looking at that. I think that that loss for the Oilers potentially if they lost the series and you see either the Golden Knights or the Jets, I think the Oilers are gonna really punch themselves and uh-huh. they're really gonna shoot themselves in the foot because they have they have a golden opportunity to get themselves into the conference finals to me in the matchup consideration. But then again, you gotta win each game at a time. And that's what that we talk about. We preach on this show. Because it's so true. And yeah. some of these teams are just not doing that. Yeah, well, that's the tough part, too, for the Oilers. For them to drop one at Rogers' place, that is just not great. Not because, great for the program. Because, I mean, L.A. is a good home team, and that's been kind of one of their big things so far this year is playing well at home. And especially when you got playoff ice, that's just 
one of the big things you want to be able to win those games there. And for LA to be able to sneak one away, sneak one from the Oilers while away, that just is a real testament to show that, you know, they might not be one of the better teams in this, uh, in this playoffs. They've kind of been ones that's kind of sneaked under the radar, but I think a single think you're going to probably see this series go to game seven. Uh, and you might have to see, the Kings probably try to defend defend themselves in Rogers' place, which is not going to be the easiest thing. Not going to be the easiest place there in Edmonton, but I still think that there is a lot more to be desired here in this tournament. I mean, you, you think, look at uh, the, you think Lightning are going to knock out the Maple Leafs round one. You think they're going to have another first round exit? Uh, I mean, the Maple. You saw Game Two, seven two. That's a pretty that's a big time domination comeback there. But I don't know. I the thing about the Maple Leafs. Is, I mean, you look at, obviously, you can look at the two scores and put this together as much research as me and Joe have done. But, like, the Maple Leafs, they find this wave of consistency and then they just lose it. And that's the thing that yeah, does they it. Are so, they are so one way. Yeah, like, I, like they, played, the they played so well. I mean, they outshot the Lightning 37-22 as I'm looking at the stat sheet here. But the thing that surprised me was, I mean, they played really clean. Like, they only had seven penalties. The Lightning were all over the place, running, wreaking havoc down the ice with speed, recklessness, 49 penalty in minutes there, and they took advantage of the power play. That's what good teams do. That's what clean-playing teams do. But the thing about the Maple Leafs is they don't do that consistently. Like, that's where you get out of these these gross slumps, and everybody's talking about first-round exit, first-round exit. I'm sure they got to be sick of it by now, but at the same time, then in game one, I mean, they're pretty much down what five to five, five Oh, like right out of the gate through the mm-hmm. first half of the game. Like, how are you going to get yourself back out of there? Like, I, I it's just to me craziness that like they can have such great offense and lockdown defense, but they can never like they can have one or the other is what you what you want necessarily. Yeah. But they always seem to have both or none. Like that's the thing that like is is crazy when I watch them plays. Like they they consistently always have like two. They can have they're really pretty good on. They've been really good on the power play so far. Yeah, for sure. They, they've had really good good like they've scored four power play goals so far this series already. But I mean, they gave four against the Lightning in game one. Then they held them to zero. Like there has to be a combination. And they have to be able to be on their A game at the same time, both ends on the same night, and they have to do that consistently. And until they do that, like the first round curse is going to live on. I don't know how it does to say it. It's just the inconsistency of that team is really prohibiting them from making a run in the playoffs. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I don't know Toronto, especially being able to play this well at home is going to be kind of the staple of whether or not they're going to be able to make it out of the first round because going down to Tampa is going to be tough because that's a very passionate fan base and it's one that's used to winning. So they're definitely going to bring the power. They're definitely going to bring the hype around it because going down there is not always the easiest. We saw it when uh, Tampa Bay won the Stanley cup against, uh, against the Canadians, especially with how, one-sided that type of competition was that yeah. Stanley Cup but I still think Toronto is going to give them a run for their money I mean to be able to just play that well and play them outplay them that bad even at home I mean that's just a testament to how well their offense is going to go it's just is can they keep up this consistency which they've been lacking so far they dropped one to the Red Wings way before I think it was like two or three games before the regular season ended they didn't play super well against the Bruins I think two I think it was the second to last uh regular season game but when you get a chance where you, you look at it they play really well against the Canadians before they don't play super well against the Panthers they play all right against the Rangers and they finally come into playoffs and they just 
you know, drop a 7-3 game right off the bat, but then they come back and basically do the same thing to Lightning. It's been back and forth these past few weeks for them. So just really finding that stride is going to be a big thing to break that first-round curse. Do I think they got it in them? No, because we haven't seen it. And usually you want to try to find that stride before playoffs happens. And yes. It's really tough to do it against a lightning team and especially against that uh that little division of what that of what the bracket is. That's one of the tougher ones of this whole of this whole tournament. And I'm going to say it right now, if they don't find a stride in this game to be able to go up 2-1 and just find that consistency and play well again, you're probably going to see another first round exit. Yeah, which is a shame because they have a really talented roster and they have a roster that can be an Eastern Conference final caliber roster. I mean, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, like Johnny Tavares, you have all of these great players that have been on a really good tear so far. I mean, what Johnny Tavares had a hat trick in mm-hmm. game two. Morgan Riley on the defensive side had four assists. He's been playing phenomenal right now. So I think when you see a lot of these guys, and you can throw TJ Brody in there, he's had a lot of ice time as I've looked in the statistics right now. I think he had 23 minutes. In Jeez, that like, that's a monstrous performance from him. Um, but I think you just have to see consistency. That's what you need from the Maple Leafs. That's how they're going to get out of the slump. And until you see that, all right, curse lives on. Yep. That's how it goes. Yeah, that's usually how it's going to go. But the NHL playoffs have been really, really entertaining so far. And we can't wait for games three to be going on today and tomorrow. Uh, Hurricanes, Islanders, Bruins, Panthers, Stars, Wild, Oilers, and Kings are going to be at it today. From 7 to 10, that whole slate's going to be going on. So hopefully you guys can be able to watch that. And then tomorrow, which will be Saturday, Golden Knights, Jets, Devils, Rangers, Maple Leafs, Lightning, and Avalanche Kraken will be in action. Oh, there's a lot of teams. There's a lot of, a lot games. of teams. A lot, a lot of teams. teams. A lot Enjoy of teams. it while we can, man, because there's going to be less and less action going on. And we're going to have no NHL hockey for a while. Facts. As well as NBA basketball. That's true. So, That's true. Watch yourself some games before they go. Enjoy it before it's gone. Exactly. So have a great weekend, y'all. Watch some games. Check out Bulldog Sports. Follow along online, fairstatebulldogs.com. Make sure you subscribe to this show so you don't miss out on any great interviews. And trust me, don't miss next week. It's going to be big, man. It's going to be big. That's all I'm going to say. But until next time. Take care, everybody.